0: Buzz!
1: Buzz! 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 Welcome back to At the Buzzer Podcast. Uh, this is Sam TV, your host, and I'm joined by Ryan Oblenis from Big Cat Country. He's a staff writer and then he's a managing editor at the Michigan State SB Nation blog, too. Ryan, how are you doing?
0: Hey, good. Thank you for having me on, Sam. I wasn't sure if you guys allowed uh, Michigan State fans on, so appreciate it. Well, uh,
1: we don't care about that right now. We're just trying to get to you because you're a Jaguars (laughs) fan. Yeah, best of both worlds. We have to talk to you about LaVisca Chennault, uh, the CU receiver. He was drafted in the second round, pick 42 to the Jaguars. How do you feel about this pick right away?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm excited about it. I, uh, You know, I didn't expect the Jaguars to take them I did expect the Jags to go wide receiver early so they had two first round picks I didn't think they'd do it at number nine but I thought wide receiver was definitely in play at number 20 and then I thought you know after they took uh, Caleb on chase on from LSU and edge rusher that wide receiver would probably surely be the pick in the second round I still didn't think it'd be Chenault but you know from what I can tell um, you know I think Jags fans are going to be very excited about what he's bringing to the table as long as he uh, can stay healthy. Yeah, so you guys went with
1: CJ Henderson, the cornerback, and then Caleb Von Chason, who actually visited CU. Uh, oh, yeah. But, so we, we could have had him, but then did you have a receiver in mind that you wanted the Jaguars to take?
0: You know, I'm trying to remember who was on the board at the time. I, I think Denzel Mims was available. Um, I know he Pittman, fell. yeah, Pittman from USC just went, yeah, and Mims fell even further to uh, later in the second round to the Jets. Um, so there were a couple other guys on the board, but... Did you have Michael Pittman over LaVisca on your big board? Uh, I, you know, I didn't have a, a personal big board, um, but I, you know, I, I think, I kind of think they're very different players. Um, I, now, you know... Um, now that Chenault is here in Jacksonville, I'm, I'm actually very excited about it. And I'm glad that, you know, um, I, I probably would have taken him over Pittman anyway. So we're up to me. Uh, so.
1: I'm, I'm mostly just teasing because <laughs> we, we really don't like USC. So.
0: Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We still – CU still hasn't beaten them ever. Oh, really? have been playing them every year since 2011. So yeah, since still- joining the Pac-12. Huh. I've had some down years too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, CU has only had one winning season since two thousand six or so, so it's been it's been rough. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we adored Levisco when he was at CU. He's like one of the most exciting playmakers that I can remember. Um, he may be the most physically gifted receiver CU has had since like the early nineties, when CU was like a legit national power. The Cordell Stewart days? Yeah, even be, yeah, yeah. Even before that, when they yeah. won the national championship in 1990. Yeah. They had, they had a receiver named Mike Pritchard, who everybody considers like the best, most gifted receiver at CU, even though he only had like 12 catches that season, which is weird. Triple option is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have some questions about the Jaguars. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so with your offense, you have Gardner Minshew at quarterback. You have DJ Chark, at receiver. How do you kind of think LaVisca fits in generally with the,
0: the offense, like who you guys have already? So the Jags brought in Jay Gruden as an offensive coordinator. You know, he was the Redskins coach. He's John Gruden's brother. Um, you know, he, he's, I think, going to bring more of a West Coast type system in. Um, you know, so I expect a lot of play action. I expect the tight ends to be involved, um, you know, some, some short – crossing routes, slants, stuff like that. You know, it's hard to tell what, given everything going on with COVID-19 and teams haven't been able to to get together. No OTAs, none of that stuff is happening this offseason. So, you know, just thinking about what he's done in the past, I would expect, um, you know, Chenault to be involved in three receiver sets. Um, you know, we'll, DJ Chark will be the number one receiver. And opposite him, you'll have, um, you know, they'll either put, Chenault in the slot or they'll put DD Westbrook in this in the slot and Chenault could play outside. There's also Chris Conley um, and a couple other options. But, you know, I think those four are going to be the, the main uh the main receivers for the Jaguars. And I think that, you know, for Jacksonville, they just want to get Chenault the ball any way they can. So, you know, I know at his time in Colorado, he took a lot of jet sweeps, even handoffs, he'd done Wildcat stuff. Um, you know. I think after the draft, the Jags had mentioned that, you know, all of that is in play for, for Chenault. Yeah, so have, have the Jaguars had, like, an offensive weapon-style
1: player in the past, and how did they, they use him?
0: <laughs> I mean, when they, when they drafted Denard Robinson, I think they officially gave him a roster title of offensive weapon, but that never came to fruition. Uh, you know, Michigan players, am I right? <laughs> uh so i love denard robinson so much oh really <laughs> he, he has one of the best draft draft day gifts of all time but um, it? it was uh just him on the phone and then like some random family member or friend just pops up smiling you, you'll have to search that one it's, it's pretty good um oh, yeah was. but in, but no the, i mean the jags uh has struggled for a while now you know um in in 2017, Blake Bortles was at at the helm, um, you know, and that was the one kind of big anchor of that team that ended up going to a AFC Championship. That you know, because they had a really really strong defense, a fierce pass rush, incredible secondary with AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey, and uh, but but even then, the offense was uh, top five in the league. Um, you know, people. Still downplayed it because Bortles was that quarterback, but they had a really strong rushing attack. Um, Wait the the offense was top five. Yep, uh, top five in rush. Uh, I b- believe that year they actually led the league in rushing, and they were I want to say a top five offense in points scored. Um, but okay. I mean, they, a
1: lot of those a lot of those points were defensive, right?
0: Yep, yep. But they still had the number one. Uh, rushing attack in the league and anyway okay. my, my point is there um, you know that's the way that Jacksonville has been trying to build the team through good defense and through running the ball so there haven't been a lot of of playmakers in the wide receiver game DJ Chark had a a breakout season last year Um, you know his rookie year they kind of kind of brought him along slowly and uh, he dealt with some injuries too. That year, I think he only played in 11 games, only had, like, 14 catches or something like that. Um, so I also wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, the Jags not not throw Chenault right into the fire right away. They might ease him along kind of similarly. And then, you know, that year, too, you might really see kind of a breakout year from him, just like Chark had last year.
1: Yeah, so so and Chark was a developmental pick out of LSU, right? Yeah. It was something of, like, a raw physical specimen, I guess.
0: Yeah, he was a second round pick. Um, you know, he wasn't ultra productive at LSU. Some of that was on the quarterback play and you know other factors. But you know, he he was he's big. He's like six foot three or six foot four, and he's fast. Uh, so yeah, I mean, a, a lot of that kind, you know, a lot of picks based based on guys who have physical traits are you know based on potential of what you think they might be able to do. And you know, uh, Chark based on his performance from last year, proved them right. And I think, you know, he, uh, pairing him with Chenault, you know, that could be fun for the future of this team because they're both really young receivers. Yeah, and I mean, I personally love Gardner
1: Minshew, but I've heard that if, they, if the Jaguars struggle this year, they're going to be looking to replace him. And depending on how badly they do, they could be looking to replace him, like, with a top three pick. Do you, do you see that as a threat for Minshew?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Minshew fan myself. I mean, I want him to be the man. I can't promise that he is. But if you look at his numbers from last year, you know, he – first of all, he, he won six games. Nick Foles didn't win a single start. Um, So all the all the wins that the Jaguars had last year, what Minshew was responsible for, if you look at his numbers compared to all the other rookie top picks, Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones and Haskins, you know – Minshew's numbers either are better or compare very favorably um, to those players so you know just because he's a six-round pick I think people kind of look at him as oh he's you know he's not the future you can't win with him but I'm definitely willing to give him a try Um, you know a lot of the mock drafts I've been seeing for you know the way too early mock drafts for 2021 that are already out for some reason are um, you know they all of them have the Jaguars with the number one pick And I just don't see it. The Jaguars have been terrible for, you know, the better part of 12, 13 years outside of 2017. They've never once had the number one pick. So not even when they were a first year franchise in 95, they actually had the number two overall pick because that was the same year the Carolina Panthers came into the league and the Panthers ended up getting the number one pick. Um, So I just don't see the Jags having the number one pick and being able to get Trevor Lawrence, they could have a top three and perhaps go after somebody um, like Justin Fields. But I I think, you know, the Jaguars, I'll be honest, they're probably not going to win a lot of games this year, but I do think that they're going to, to surprise some people win more games than uh, people think. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had a top five pick. I don't think they're going to be in play for, for a Trevor Lawrence. Um We'll see, you know, if if Minshew is absolutely terrible and it's just not going to work, then maybe they will have the number one pick and get Lawrence or maybe they can uh, package some picks and trade up and get them. They do have the Rams' number one pick next year, just like they had it this year from the Jalen Ramsey trade. So, you know, it's all in play. But, you know, I'd like to think that Minshew is going to prove his worth. And, you know, the benefit of having a six-round rookie at quarterback is that he's on a super low contract, um, you know, and you can use that money that you're not spending at the quarterback position to build around him with playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. So I think, you know, the optimistic side of me says that Minshew's going to get the job done. You know, the team's not going to be good this year. They're really young. Um, But if they can kind of build that foundation and, um, you know, Minshew proves that he's the man that should be the signal caller, then, I think you know. I think the future is looking pretty bright in that regard. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see Minshew be throwing passes to Chanel.
1: They they played each other in college, and like CU fans, we we've always loved Gardner Minshew, like pretty much everybody else in the country. Yeah, he's
0: he's really easy to root for. He's got all kinds of crazy yeah. stories, and he and he's just he just seems like you know an everyday guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, from the south too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah.
1: am um, sure. Yeah. So, I was kind of curious about the Jaguars' defense, mostly because, like you were talking about, they want to build defense first, but they've jettisoned pretty much everybody. They got rid of Jalen Ramsey, got rid of A.J. E. uh Kalias Campbell to the Ravens, and even Yannick Ngukwe wants out of there. Like, do you think that's an issue, or do you think this will be like a bunch of high-scoring games where we get to see Chark and Chenault racking up some possibly empty yardage, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, so, you know... Um, like I said the Jaguars had that incredible defense in 2017. They thought they could win that way. It all kind of fell apart in 2018. Last year in 2019 they had the one of, you know, like uh, bottom 4, bottom 5 run defenses in the league. And then like you said, um you know, they traded Calais Campbell for peanuts, a fifth round pick to the Ravens which kind of surprised a lot of people. I understood it because the team's goal was to get younger and to, you know, shed some contracts they cut Marcel Darius, and as you mentioned, they also traded Boye, um, you know, and they also traded Nick Foles on the offensive side of the Bulls. So that was just kind of their plan is to get younger um, and get – you know, they had 12 draft picks this year, and they didn't trade a single one of them away. So there were – you know, there's 12 rookies coming on. This is going to be an incredibly young team. And on defense especially, too, the whole secondary is revamped. You know, they took Henderson with the ninth pick. Um, They signed Rashawn Melvin in free agency. There's also Trey Herndon, who's going to start at the outside, who's a young guy. And there's uh, DJ Hayden, who's the starting slot. They drafted my Michigan State boy, Josiah Scott, in the fourth round, who's um, also probably going to play some nickel cornerback, going to play some special teams. Uh, You know, at linebacker, they signed Joe Shover in the offseason to play middle linebacker. That is going to benefit the dig, whereas I think in a big way because That allows Miles Jack, who has been playing that Mike position, middle linebacker, um, the last couple seasons. And and it's just obviously not a natural fit for him. He's much better as an outside linebacker. He played the same position um, in 2017, 2016, and did a a very good job at that. And now, you know, the expected move that the Jaguars are going to make is to put him at um, the weak side linebacker, the Will, which everybody thinks is going to be a more natural fit. The Jaguars have also talked about going to a 3-4 defense or a multiple defense now this year with players like Chason, who they can put on the edge. And Chason is kind of a lot like Chenault on the defensive side of the ball in the fact that he's very versatile so that they, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play stand-up edge rusher and a two-point stance in the 3-4 alignment. He might play some Sam strong side linebacker in the 4-3 alignment. He might even play true defensive end with, a, with um, you know, his hand in the dirt. So... I think it's going to be interesting to watch it. Um, I don't – if, as you were saying, do I think, you know, a lot of the Jags games are going to be shootouts? I think that would be the last thing the Jaguars want because I don't think the offense is is there yet to be able to put up a lot of points. Um, you know, but the defense is now really young and really inexperienced, and they struggled last year. So their goal this off season was to get better against the run. They did sign some other veterans like Rodney Gunter from – Arizona Cardinals who's a defensive lineman Um, you know he could play defensive end or what they call the big end he'll play defensive end on the strong side and he could also move into to the interior defensive line and and, uh, gonna play like some three technique and rush the passer from the inside um, on certain alignments and they signed Al Woods who's been in the league a long time who they want to shut down the run he'll play nose tackle um, things like that so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think, you know, like I said, I don't see the Jaguars winning a lot of shootouts, so the defense is going to have to step up in some way, but I do expect a lot of growing pains on both sides of the ball. Okay. Um, so I think you 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 answered
1: my questions pretty thoroughly so far. Um, I do have some other tangential questions. Sure. So you are – you're in Michigan. You're in Detroit. Yep. Aren't you – so why, why are you a Jackson?
0: Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a funny story, but it's also not that interesting at the same time. So uh, <laughs> when you live in Detroit, you know, you, you have the Lions, who of course I'm a fan of because they're the home team, so I root for them. Um, but when you have a franchise that, you know, is the Lions that has been in the league forever and literally never even made a Super Bowl, barely ever make the playoffs, they haven't won a playoff game since, I think, 1991. Um, you know you might want to find a new team to root for and I um, was like you know 10 years old I want to say maybe nine Um, and there was this old video game called Tech Mobile on the Super Nintendo this was right before I started getting into football so like this this game was kind of what introduced me to the NFL and the teams and how I learned a lot of the players and things like that Um, so this is like you know, 1999, 2000, maybe, but this game was probably from 1995. Um, and that's how I, I was like, just randomly looking at teams. And I stumbled upon the Jaguars and their teal color and their, um, their roster and their name and stuff kind of, kind of stood out to me. So I started playing with them in Tecmo Bowl. And at the same time, I started keeping up with them in real life. And 1999 was the Jaguars actually went to the AFC Championship. So th- this was right after that. Um and the team we was good and they to. Sorry, what was that? Who'd you guys lose to in that championship? The Tennessee Titans. Oh. Oh, you played the Broncos the year before in the playoffs then. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you remember when the Jags beat the Broncos in ninety six? That was fun. Ninety six <laughs> playoffs.
1: Actually, I was actually born in ninety seven. I asked uh, from the from the VHS Super Bowl <laughs> game.
0: Videos. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was I was a. Uh, I would have only been like five or six years old at that time. I wasn't watching football, but I've watched a lot of the highlights. But, yeah, the Jags did go in there 96 and beat the Broncos. So, um, 99, though, was the year that they lost to the Titans because the Titans allegedly stole the Jags' playbooks that year. Um, actually, the Jaguars went 14-2 for- <laughs> and two that year. Their only two losses were to the Titans, and then they also lost to them in the AFC Championship game, so they just couldn't figure them out. Um, Damn. Yeah, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's basically the story. I just kind of stumbled upon them in this old video game that, like, my dad had at his house and um, started, you know, following along with them. You know, they had – they were a good team back then. They had Mark Brunel. They had Fred Taylor, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell. You know, that the team was loaded, so it, it so was fun to watch. Team. Yeah.
1: yeah to- Tony Basselli too. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so you're also a Michigan State writer. That's true. So moving into that, how how do you feel about Mel Tucker going to Michigan State?
0: Well, um, you know, my initial reaction was uh, the the big storyline that everybody expected was for um, Luke Fickle to be named the head coach, um, Cincinnati's head coach. Which so I was preparing myself for that. Um, then, you know, you have all these guys on Twitter who think they're reporters and stuff like that, that really aren't who, um, you know, we're saying a lot of this stuff about Fickle, you know, that he's going to sign as the next Michigan state coach, according to anonymous sources and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it turns out that Fickle didn't want the job. So, um, you know, middle of the night, it's announced that Mel Tucker is the coach and my, um, you know, my initial reaction to that was okay this guy used to be actually my first thought was this guy used to be the Jaguars defensive coordinator and um, you know at one time he was their inter- interim head coach
1: That's so, right. I forgot yeah, about
0: that. yeah so I so I knew who he was um, you know I knew he was at Colorado and you know he actually started um, some of his coaching career at Michigan State too under Nick Saban as a graduate assistant so he had a lot of ties to um, you know things that I was interested in I knew he was a good recruiter he just had brought in a good class to Colorado, like a top thirty-five class, I believe. Um, you know, so for me, I'm excited about it. I know that, you know, he's he's. I know, I know that you guys aren't uh you know, aren't too thrilled with him right now, given that he made that Twitter statement about he was staying at Colorado and then kind of just accepted the Michigan State job anyway, which I understand. Like, I mean, that would rub me the wrong way as a fan too. But, um, you know, so. I'm really, so far, liking his recruiting. Um, You know, he just brought in another recruit today. uh, Like two or three weeks ago, MSU had zero recruits. Now they have ten. So it's been Mm -hmm. fast and furious. Um, He just brought in a a recruit from Florida today, a cornerback who's a four-star from Rivals, um, three-star in the composite.
1: I think why CU fans were so hurt was because he – it felt like he, he, got, he understood the program. He understood Colorado's history and that he was yeah. committed to the, to the growth of the program. And, and he, I, yeah, he was also like best friends with like the head basketball coach and had all this stuff going. He'd like yell at the refs at basketball games and like everything like that. And he was just so likable. And I feel like a lot of fans trusted him and it was almost like a stab in the back when he left because it was like, oh, my God, we found our coach that's going to stick with us forever. And so I think a lot of the hate is very defensive. I personally still like Mel Tucker. That's a hot take around here, but
0: (laughs) yeah, I'm wishing uh, him the best. Yeah, and I – you know, that that was also what I was going to say is, obviously, this has been very different. Um, The whole timing of everything is weird, right? Because Mark D'Antonio retired – a day before national signing day, nobody expected it. You know, um, it was, it was strange. He just, he had just said uh, in like November, like after the season in a press conference that he was coming back the next year. Um, so, you know, that, that was strange when he retired. And then, so obviously Tucker was starting late anyway, you know, Febu- I think he was hired February 12th. And then you got the whole, the COVID-19 situation now, You can't bring recruits to campus. Campus is shut down. The coaches are working out of their houses. Um, You know, it's just really unprecedented times. But, you know, from what Michigan State fans have seen from him, he's very personable. He interacts with people on social media. Um, You know, he – like, he's a very strong recruiter, which we like, um, because, you know, D'Antonio's game was more so going after lower-rated recruits, and he did a very, very good job developing them. You know, he won – Big Ten championships with basically low to mid three stars, um, you know, sprinkle maybe one four star or five star in every once in a while. But, you know, those were the guys that he was built on. So far, Tucker is kind of on that same tier um, in terms of recruiting. It, a lot of three stars right now. But, um, you know, the, the guys that he's going after, are a lot of five stars, a lot of four stars, and he's getting guys from all over the country, Texas and Florida and New Jersey and Maryland. So, you know, this is very exciting to Michigan State fans. So that's another reason that we like him is on top of the recruiting is he's very personable. He's very real. I actually recently interviewed um, Darian Harris, who is a former Michigan State player. Now he works under Tucker as the director of player engagement, and he just said, you know, Tucker is – he's real. He's honest. He's genuine. Um, you know what you see is what you get with him and that's you know he he's a player's coach I hear too so you know he's just he's got the personality that we like and he's got the recruiting that we like he put together a very nice coaching staff that we're excited about so you know MSU's had a couple of down seasons seven and six the past couple years after enjoying a lot of success prior to that under D'Antonio so um, you know people are excited to see what's next
1: yeah uh... I can't say that we wish you the best of luck at Michigan State. We do wish the best of luck to the Jaguars, and we, love, we just want LaVisca to succeed. We want to have a star.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I think for LaVisca, he will succeed in Jacksonville if he's able to stay healthy. I know that he, you know, he's very tough. That's something that the coaching staff, Doug Marone, you know, and general manager uh, Dave Caldwell said after the draft that they really liked about him is his toughness. You know, he's tough as nails. He's ready to run through you. Um, you know, his versatility, I think, um, you know, obviously his health with all the injuries he's dealt with is the big knock on him. But like I said, I also could see Jacksonville kind of, you know, uh, easing him along and, and not, you know, maybe he gets 10 touches or less a game. So he's not putting himself yeah. at much as much at risk.
1: Yeah, at his peak, he was getting 17-18 a game at CU, yeah. which was far too much. It was like right. when, C needed, when they needed a play, they would just smash the visca button over and over. <laughs> so
0: yeah. hopefully – You gotta get, get the ball to your playmakers, but – Yeah. Yeah, hopefully that will happen.
1: Yeah. And he can be more effective with less touches. So, yeah, we're really wishing the best for him. Um, do you have any final, final thoughts? Go green. Oh no no no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Ryan. We appreciate you coming on.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And uh, oh, I do want to say too, um, you know, I have actually been to Boulder. Um, beautiful place, beautiful campus. I got engaged in Denver, so you know, I, I got no oh, hard feelings toward toward the Buffaloes.
1: Oh well, that's great. No, yeah. it's
0: it's just beautiful right now. This time of year, it's my favorite time of year here. Yeah, yeah very. Yeah, I hope
1: I hope Michigan's doing okay.
0: Uh, you know it it snowed like four or five times in the month of april so you know that was that was uh pretty lousy but you know nobody can really go anywhere right now anyway we're under uh you know statewide lockdown so it doesn't really matter i guess but it's starting to warm up now so that's good yeah
1: all right yeah thanks for coming on i appreciate it yeah thank you for having me
0: Buffs! Buffs! Buffs!